and welcome back to the Some Sort of Miracle podcast. My name's Ed and I'm here today with Estelle Blake. Estelle is a Salvation Army officer who is currently based at Fitton Hill in Oldham. Welcome to the podcast, Estelle. Thank you. It's good to be here. So could you kind of start by just telling us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your, um, I guess, life as a Salvation Army officer? Well, um, I've been in the Salvation Army all my life. I was brought up, um, born into it. My parents were Salvation Army officers, um, so I've lived a lot of places around the country. Mm. Um, But now I've also been a Salvation Army officer myself, ordained and commissioned, as we say, for 28 plus years. Okay. And that has taken me not just living in the UK, but also living in for 12 years in two different stints. I lived in Italy. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So did you foresee that when you became an officer that you'd end up living in <laughs> Italy or is that something that kind of just happened? And... Do you know, it's really funny because people say to me, how did you end up? Because when I was a kid at school and this will come up a bit later, my um, my best friend at school in London was a girl called Tracy Schiavi. And okay. um, uh, Tracy and I, she was Italian and had, funny enough, she had the only English name. Her brothers were Roberto and Marco. Right, okay. But she was called Tracy. And we, we always found it hilarious. And Tracy um, came from an Italian family. And up until that time, and I was only 10, and then as life went on, the only thing I really knew about Italy was Tracy's family mm. and um, pizza pasta and um, the mafia and because mm. I have a real weird interest in organized crime I find it very very fascinating and then I went to college and we're talking pre-internet days and yeah. pizza was a big thing and pasta suddenly become a big thing in the 90s everybody was making pasta it was like yeah you go and have a pasta where <laughs> you get a pizza and mm. what I thought was good pizza and pasta really wasn't <laughs> And then I said to God one day, you know, if you want me to go to Italy, because I kind of found this growing calling to Italy Mm. happening while I was at the college. And if you want me there, then I need it written in scripture. Now, this might seem stupid because I thought if it's read today, if in the college days at the the Sunday worship, somebody says the word reads from Romans, I thought that was too easy because I thought there's a whole load. There's a massive book on Romans. Mm. And I thought, I'll be all right, Italy, I-T-A-L-Y. And that was what I said to God. And I said, if it read out Italy, I'll go, like, don't ever do that. Because, <laughs> like, that was stupid. Because the guy read out the building, the reading, and he said, Hebrews thirteen twenty four. He said, I'm reading this today. I feel that I need to read it. And he was the, the principal of the college. And he went... Mm. My brothers from Italy send you their greetings. And I was like, oh, great, Lord, right, that's it. End of argument. So I just fell on my knees at that point and said, Lord, if you want me to go to Italy, I'll go. I didn't speak Italian. Mm. Now, the joke was my friend said, maybe God just wants you to be willing to go. And I realized that when I was sat in the airport about to get on a plane for the very first time to a country I've never visited Mm. to move there, I'm... I phoned one of my friends and said, you know that idea God maybe just wants me to say yes? Well, I'm now sitting at the airport about to move to to Italy. And we were joking around about that. But when I went to Italy, I only could speak, I only knew three really good phrases. Okay. Can I have a bottle of beer? Can I have a packet of crisps? And um, I've got a flat tyre. Excellent. I don't drink. And always packet of cigarettes. I don't smoke. And I didn't have a car. Not overly helpful then. No. But I ended up in Italy. So, yeah, the calling came because it was a specific call to go to Italy mm. and it's been a specific call to come back to the UK both okay. times. Yeah, yeah. 
So what was your, your role when you got to Italy? And was that something that you felt really cool to specifically when you got there? Or did it no, kind of the, evolve? Yeah, the first time I was there in 1996, I was working uh, within churches in rural communities and also in um, Naples and Sicily. And I saw the beginnings and understanding what was going on in working with people who had been didn't seem to fit into a country mountain village. Mm. Um, women working on the streets in prostitution, men working in prostitution, the, the, the people begging and cleaning windows at mm. traffic lights. I saw that the first time. Came back to the UK in 2002, the first time, and I was sent to the Salvation Army's project in London to do street outreach to men and women in prostitution. Yeah. That developed into a modern slavery connection because I was the one doing it in the UK. Then in 2013, my specific appointment back to the Italy and Greece command Mm. was as the anti-trafficking coordinator, modern slavery coordinator, and to help develop programs. So by then, I was told that was my role. Okay, yeah. And that's also part of my role now. I'm church leader at Fitton Hill in Oldham. But also I'm um, chaplain to the Salvation Army's um, anti-trafficking modern slavery unit. Wow. Wow. It's a, it's a fascinating world. And I, I love talking to you, just hearing, hearing your stories about it. But um, could you tell us a little bit about what that day-to-day was like when you were working in the anti-human trafficking team in Italy and what sort of stuff you'd get involved with? Well, when I first arrived there, I was the team. It wow, was me. Okay. They took a step of faith. Italy was the first um, command, if you like. Italy and Greece is a command, so you have the two countries working together and they were the first people to say, we're going to have somebody specifically appointed just for that role. Mm. Um, When I say small, we're talking like the, not talking the UK, that even at that time when I went, Mm. only had three people. That team is now enormous here in the UK. But in Italy, that was just... Me, so we were only 30% of what the UK had, and the Salvation Army over there is only like six, eight hundred members, whereas wow. compared to the UK, it'd be different. Yeah. So, when we got over there, that was me making connections with other agencies mm. in Italy who were doing that. And funnily enough, I ended up with connections to um, the European Council. Um, I ended up with connections to the United Nations. Um, Within a a month of me arriving, I was asked to go and be the army's representative to the United Nations. Mm. Um, Wow. Yeah, that was one of the most important people that would arrive. And she saw the Salvation Army uniform. She went, Salvation Army's here, so we're okay. And I'm like, I've been here two months. (laughs) And one of those months was Italy in the summer, which is basically closed. Um, it's like lockdown's been in Britain over the last few months mm. that everything quieter, but that's basically an Italian summer kind of thing. Right. So I did that and was there. And then that also meant doing practical, not just making the connections to people here, which actually included making connection to the Australian ambassador to the Vatican. Right. Not only those Mm. connections there with the people in power who can change policy, Mm. but also with the people who are victims and survivors. I I really hate the word victim Mm. because anybody who is still alive Mm. is more than a victim. They are a survivor because they're still alive and still living and trying to fight to get out. Mm. 
So that ended up an outreach, specific outreach in Rome, mm. every Tuesday night starting at nine o'clock in the evening. Yeah. And going out in a van with tea and coffee and cake. Mm. Wow. I, I bet that was that must have been an amazing time, but also really challenging when being surrounded by, I guess, a lot of darkness. And how do you kind of hold on to faith and hold on to hope, I guess, when surrounded by such difficult... The, the, the mm. funniest thing about all of that is, I suppose the, the biggest thing, one of the biggest challenges we had here in the UK is to understand that UK citizens can also be victims of slavery and trafficking mm. and that it happens in our country. Wow. One yeah. of the things we've got to get our heads around, it isn't something that just happens in a, in a poor country. Mm. It happens in the rich countries as well. And when you've got that understanding, you can do loads. In Italy... I was asked to go and speak to the youth and they caught that vision that it can happen in their country mm. and that it can they can be a part of the change and the difference in their country. And that began to... I came in at a time when they were wanting it to happen. Mm. How do we hold on to our faith? Because actually it's not Estelle Blake who goes out and saves anybody. Christ is the only person who saves mm. But the authorities can go and rescue a person and help them. And what do we do? We give our dignity. When we were meeting victims on the streets who would be sitting on curbsides waiting in prostitution, Mm. one of the things was that they don't lose their faith. So why would I lose mine? And Mm. there were moments, there's been some beautiful, beautiful moments. There's been some tough moments as well, Mm. but there have been some rather... Moments when you've known you were sat in the presence of God. Mm. Um, and when you like, oh, this is what church is. Yeah. <laughs> it's 11 o'clock at night and you're singing, um, you're singing Amazing Grace in English, Italian, Portuguese and Spanish. Mm. When you're continually saying to people, can we pray? Mm. And the answer is no, but you can pray for me, but don't pray with me. And individuals like that. So we, we met um, Barbara. Barbara is um, a Brazilian transgender man to woman, and often many of the Brazilians who mm. would be gay yeah. would be um, two stories, really. Barbara was trafficked to, the, to Italy to get um, surgery to become a woman, so Barbara had um, top half female and bottom half male. Right, okay. It's the best way to put it politely yeah, on a podcast. Sure. Um, and my boss and I, every week we would see her, and my boss, um, Lieutenant Colonel Anne Florence Tursi, would say to Barbara, can we pray for you? And she said, no, because Jesus doesn't belong in this horrible, dirty place. She didn't use mm. that language, as you can imagine. Yeah. And we would say, but we can pray. He's okay to be in the gutter. She said, no, Jesus does not belong in the gutter. Mm. Jesus is king. Right. And I say, okay. So every week we'd go, Hi, Barbara, can we pray? And she said, no, because Jesus doesn't belong in the gutter. He's mm. king. Okay. And one week, after about six weeks of us asking, can we pray? She said, because I said, and she said, Jesus, but I said, Barbara, Jesus belongs here in the gutter as much as he does on the throne. Mm. Actually, I think Jesus is a king who would rather be sat on, in the gutter than he would on the throne because that was what his ministry showed. Look at what mm. his scripture says. Look at the story of the woman at the well. Mm. And she turned around to me and she went, okay, you can pray. Wow. Let me learn about the Jesus of the gutter. Mm. 
Mm. And six months later, she asked us for a Bible and invited to us the place where she was living. Mm. And could we take a Bible and share scripture in her home? Wow. Now, Barbara's never left, but the connection yeah. is that her faith was stronger. Yeah. And then Rodriguez, who kept his name, even though he was transitioning male to female, Rodriguez came from Brazil gay man who told his family he was gay, they tried to beat him up. His Christian family mm. in Sao Paulo, they tried to beat him up, tried to kill him because he was bringing dishonor to the family. And I said, hi, ciao, Rodriguez. And he went, ciao. And he had a bad, he couldn't speak because his, his jaw had been broken by mm. these Christian bouncers. Never in my life, Christian bouncers mm. who were hurting someone. And I said, um, we're Christians. And he said, I don't trust you. And I said, why would you? And he told this story. And I said, Rodriguez, I don't want you to trust me. I want you to learn to, to see me and let me be the Jesus that loves you. And he opened his heart that he felt rejected. And one of my volunteers, Rodriguez was six foot already. And then he had like six inch heels on. So he was like six foot six. And one of my volunteers was five foot tall. And she one week, she just said to me, I'm taking the stepladder with me. And I'm like, what? And she took the stepladder and we parked in an area where we'd get out and then go, she saw Rodriguez and she called him over and she put the stepladder and stood up and said, come here. And he said, why? She said, I am a mother. Mm. And you and I are going to be mother and son in Christ and I'm going to hug you every week and tell you that Jesus loves you because I love you and you are precious and honoured in his mm. sight. And that, is where you see the hope in mm. the darkness when one of your volunteers takes a, a, a three-step ladder to climb up enough so she can hug somebody who's felt rejected by faith and Christians yeah. showing their faith yeah. through violence that she showed love by... And he it became the joke every week. He would go, <laughs> hi, mom, and she'd go, hi, son, and that relationship began. Wow. Wow, that's an amazing, amazing few stories there. Mm. So I get in your role, you will have had those moments of real intimacy and being with people. But I guess you also will have been involved in looking at some high level like policies. You spoke about being at United Nations. Mm. How did you find balancing those two worlds, like the being right with people and also looking at some high level policy changes and... I think when you look at policy changes, you have to say, how is this going to affect Rodrigo? Yeah. How is this going to um, affect Dinesh? Mm. How is this going to affect the people that I've met? Mm. And I've now been involved in this ministry for 18 years. Yeah. Um, I have no formal certificate education, if you like. I've got no formal education degree or anything in mm. this area. What I do have is an understanding that the more I know, the less I know. Right. The more I learn, the less I know. Mm. But any policy that's put in place, I have to go back to those people that I met on the streets. Mm. I have to go back to the men and women that I've met who have, or wherever I meet them, um, car washes, nail bars, mm brothels, massage parlours, street ministry, restaurants. Yeah. How will what I'm doing, this policy making here, how will that make a difference mm. 
to those people. And if that doesn't make a difference, mm. then the policy is just going to not do anything. It's just going to sit there. It has to change the lives. Yeah. And God gave me a big mouth for a reason, and, and that is one of the reasons. But mm. also it's learning to understand the language of policy. Yeah. And making sure. So whenever I was asked, can you please give some information? Can you please help us with this policy? I said, yeah, tell me what it's about and let me ask the people involved. Mm. So it's about passing the mic and passing that policy back to those it's going to affect, saying, here's your information. Mm. Wow. So with all of that kind of experience and learning, how has that affected like your, your day to day? So a few um, episodes ago on this podcast, we spoke about... Um, the about human trafficking, modern slavery, and being an ethical consumer, mm. and how actually hearing mm. about those things will affect where we spend our money, who we choose to support. How has that affected how you approach doing that in kind of your day to day shopping? And mm. um, really intriguingly enough, the Salvation Army in Italy made. Um, they recently came out about five years ago. They made a choice to to change supplier for the Salvation Army. Um, symbolized clothes so clothes mm. with our red shield and the word salvation army on and yeah. jumpers and jackets and the choice had been made that this would be the supplier we would have a, an italian supplier but when we went into the investigation the the leaders of the salvation army in italy came to me and in greece said to me can you please just do some background checks on mm. where so the t-shirts that they were going to be printing and sewing onto where have they come from so I said, okay, so before we confirmed any orders with them, I wrote to them and said, I need to know the name of the factories that you're getting your T-shirts from mm. because I need to follow the chain backwards. Mm. We came back everything clean. That company, as a result, could then publish that they had their T-shirts were sourced mm. from slave-free mm. Uh, factories and people were treated fairly and that was a huge thing because then I could pass that information on to other agencies who we worked with in Italy and so this small little factory this small little place warehouse in Sicily yeah. ended up supplying lots of other people because of that one fact mm. now did I make a difference to slaves probably yes and no in the sense that yes that it meant that People were being paid fairly. Um, yes, because it meant nobody was being enslaved by me getting a new T-shirt. But at the same time, we were supporting an economy that was fair. Mm. And the company had a, a badge of honour. It, it meant that our youth group, our youth camp, they made a decision to source all of their food locally when they did, because it was a, a catered camp, we had staff come in and they chose to, to locally source their food and they would go to local farmers and say, who's picked the food? What are mm. being paid and what's going on here and what are the conditions of the workers? Mm. It made us choose and change the way the chocolate and the, the prizes. So when I'd done that weekend, they go, done something, the kids got together and they brought me they gave me a little um, gift package and in it was all fair trade and reliably sourced chocolate and tea and coffee. But they themselves have made a choice about the clothing they wear. Mm. They themselves have made a choice about 
one girl um, got really annoyed in a mountain village. There was only available um, a certain kind of ice cream, and the youth camp in Italy was two weeks. Okay. In those two ne- two weeks, she didn't have an ice cream, and yeah. for an Italian not to have a gelato, <laughs> that's like a Brit not to have a tea or a coffee, you know, and right, a cake okay. or something, a bit yeah. of toast. But she made that decision consciously, and so yeah. one young person changed. Mm. So she was studying to be a nurse. So she's now gone on to focusing on how in her nursing could she be educated to the issues of trafficking? Mm. How can she then pass that on and what work does that do? So sometimes we think we are shopping responsibly. Yeah. Looking for fair trade, mm. <laughs> um, chocolate, mm. um, coffee, rice. And funnily enough, it used to be really expensive, but because lots of places have now become it, it's yeah. changed. So shopping responsibly, clothing, every part of thing that I wear. What's mm. your modern slavery statement? Mm. What What are you believing in? Mm. Yeah. So I remember when I first heard about modern slavery in the UK, I was just shocked that it existed in this country and blown away. And I was before that point, I was totally oblivious to it, and I I had I hadn't yeah I hadn't seen it in any part of my life, so I assumed it didn't exist. And I think that's that's part of the problem I, I find in myself with this is that when I, I try to be an ethical consumer and try to do the things, but how do we find the knowledge? Where where are those places that we can inform ourselves on on which companies are doing well, which companies aren't doing well? It, like you've mentioned kind of looking for fair trade and looking up their modern slavery um, statements. But are there any other ways that we can yeah, kind of research? Yeah, there is. Um, you can go in and type type in if you every company that owns over a certain amount of money and generates a certain revenue mm. every year yeah. will have to um, publish a modern slavery statement on their website. Okay. So you can actually just go on the website. I mean, even the Salvation Army has a modern slavery statement. Yeah. At the bottom, we have a modern slavery statement. We will... Now, it would be good that we did have that because we push and we work in this arena quite a lot. Mm. But everybody... If you go in and read it and look at it, you can challenge it. Because the way the law has changed is, so if at any point, let's pick the one that we are all thinking of in terms of like we all want, maybe let's think of Primark. Yeah. Primark has a modern slavery statement. Let's be honest, Primark does not make its money on the quality, but on the quantity it sells. Mm. It doesn't sell masses of clothes. It doesn't sell, like, really expensive clothes, but it sells lots. Mm. They have a modern slavery statement, and they really worked hard to make sure that they were not um, involved Mm. in slavery. And they've been called out often in the past, and they've made changes. Mm. If you think of things like you need to go on and check them. So there are companies, and I'm not going to name them, who are really bad because that's just not an ideal thing to do. We're all intelligent enough. If you can work out how to listen to a podcast, you can find out how to check out a company's statement. But there's a thing called the Fair Fashion app. Okay. And it literally is an app on your phone. Mm. And you can go in and it lists lots of companies and their ethical stance, not just on modern slavery, but also on how they treat their workers. So are their their workers paid? Because fair trade isn't just about slavery. It's about paying the workers the right amount of money. Mm. So you can can check on how a shop or a company, things like um, Marks and Spencers, Gap, 
yeah. whatever age, you can go in and check what are they doing with their workers and where that goes. Mm. Um, if you're interested in knowing more as well about companies in particular, you can go on Stop the Traffic website. They have a list of companies in terms of chocolate. Okay. Yeah. Um, you can you can find those at literally there is um, there's a couple of links of places that every year they publish the top ten best companies. Okay. Yeah. But there's even now conversations in places like the United States. They were trying to even bring in um, modern slavery and fair trade, fair working standards and tra- mm. fair trade for hotel chains across the wow. states. So like Best Western. Mm. Could they guarantee that nobody in their chain had ever been trafficked? Mm. So this way, you just literally say companies that companies that uh, trade ethically, which you probably covered mm. in your last podcast episode. Mm. But even that, just checking it out, asking um, the co-op supermarket yeah. is actually really, really well known for being really ethical in the way it takes care of mm. both workers. Um, the food chain, the food supply. And I would also say, check out locally. Hmm. There's also um, a car wash app okay. that you can go in and it, it's published with the Clua project, the Clua Institute, but literally you just look up car wash app, say modern slavery car wash app, something like that. Yeah. And you go in and it gives you a list of questions that you can observe uh, observations and maybe even ask. Hmm. So you know that if somebody's getting paid three pounds, if a car wash is costing you three quid, Yep. There's something not right. <laughs> <laughs> a car wash should be costing you a tenner. Right, yeah, okay. Have they got protective clothing on? Mm. Because actually the latest figures are that it's men who are... Mm. M- we've got an awful lot... The, the percentages is rising, an awful lot of men who are victims of modern slavery, and lots of that is in industrial and agricultural wow. areas. So, yeah. Wow. I remember last time we spoke... Um, you you recommended the slavery footprint um, yeah. website as well, and we've posted that in our listener group. And just seeing a number in front of you of how many slaves it thinks. How many did it work out? Uh, it was for, th- for me. I think it was about forty two, forty three. Which just it's shocking, isn't it? Absolutely shocking. Um, so that's definitely prompted me to want to examine how I spend my money and where. And I would be intrigued to see if people in your listener group, if mm. people have picked that up. Yeah, okay. You yeah. can you can go on the Global Slavery Index and that will tell you learning and you can put that in. But you know how I said about policies? Yes. Yeah. It's when it's related to real people. Yeah. The global slavery, your slavery footprint, mm. realising that your actions, 40 plus people are yeah. enslaved because of you. Yeah. That will change. That's what will change things. Mm. It, it, me sitting here chatting will not change it. Mm. It was when I've been. It's when I've sat and I've seen a victim. It's when I've sat with somebody. Mm. I sat with a woman who told me that she was sold at the age of five by her parents to be a cleaner in her mm. a domestic. A five-year-old. Yeah. She should be playing with Barbies or mm. or action men. I had action men because I had my brother's hand me down action men toys but she should be playing with whatever she wants to play with cars doing whatever she wants to do yeah not working out how to no. use bleach and and spray guns to clean somebody's house mm. but when i met her she was 45 mm. 
She'd been sold six times. Wow. Starting by her own parents at the age of five. Yeah. And when you sit with people, that's when your attitude changes. Mm. Now, most of your listeners won't be able to sit with somebody. No. But they will be able to make a choice, like going on, as you said, onto mm. the slavery footprint, looking at that and seeing mm. and challenging. Do I really need to get my phone updated every two years? Mm. Maybe I could keep it going for five years. Yeah. There was a phone that came out, a smartphone came out called the Fairphone. Okay. Which they guaranteed was made 100% slave free. Mm which I find quite intriguing, educating yeah. ourselves. That I found that quite interesting. So, yeah, mm. I don't know how far it got, but it made quite big waves in mainland mm. Europe. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'll make sure that when this episode goes out, I'll be <coughs> posting these links that we've spoken about in our listener group and sharing them. So if you're listening and wondering where to find all this stuff, I'll, I'll try. make sure you get those. As Excellent. Well. Thank you. And um Quite often we get people posting questions back in our lis listener group and I'm sure you'll be happy if, we, if I pass yeah. those on to you or I'll add you to the group so you'll be able to see them yeah. if you want to and um, we can carry on the conversation there. Um, I think it, we, we, where we left off was in Italy talking about the way um, your, your role worked there but you're back in the UK now mm -hmm. living in Fitton Hill and Oldham. How have you found kind of moving back to the UK and readjusting to life here? It's cold. <laughs> when I left Italy, it's 12 months ago, um, yeah. August. I left Italy 12 months ago. When I left Italy 12 months ago, I left on um, the 20th, uh, 21st of August, that's right. And it was 42 degrees centigrade in Florence. Mm. Now, last summer, we were having a heat wave in the UK, so I came yeah. back to the same heat. Um, this summer, we haven't had much so much of a heat wave. And especially in Oldham, it rains a lot, mm. which is okay. I don't mind the rain. I was quite happy. Actually, I don't mind it. But um, it's a lot colder. Mm. And that sounds a really stupid thing. I was only out there six years, and my body had adjusted to that. The one thing I'm loving is that when the heat comes, there are no mosquitoes. Uh, that, that's been a favorite. Um, I've had one pizza in 12 months. Wow. Yes, and that was in an Italian restaurant I trusted in London. Okay. <laughs> Have you I not knew... found one in Oldham yet? No, but <laughs> I found an Italian restaurant, but I went out for an Italian meal the other night with a friend um, that, who's in my bubble, and we went out, and um, I had um, burger and chips. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't going to have it. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, burgers are quite famous really? in Italy. Yeah, okay. because... Meat is a huge thing in Florence in particular. So I used to mm. live in Florence in La Città de Firenze, home of so many things, so mm. many, the, the famous Duomo. So coming back has been intriguing. The biggest thing that's really been a challenge to me is ministry in English, in my home language. Because okay. for the last six years, I've done ministry 100% in Italian. Wow. And now I've had to go and try and learn greater manchester Oldham accent yeah which has always been intriguing especially we have um we have an artificial artificial intelligent device like many people would have and for the somebody gave it to us at christmas and it didn't understand the Oldham accent so in time they needed something so still could you just tell it to, <laughs> to do that because it just doesn't understand their yeah. accent but. yeah 
And your, your role with the <clears throat> anti-human trafficking unit, how has that changed now that you've kind of come back to the UK? Well, funnily enough, people was, I crack up because somebody said to me, Estelle, now that you're an expert, and I'm like, really, no, I'm not an expert. I know less now than I knew. And, and I say this in, in all honesty, I think the more you learn, the less you know. Mm. Um, I am now the chaplain for the United Kingdom. The, the Salvation Army has an anti-trafficking modern slavery unit, and that would be our government engagement unit, so mm. providing um, safety, to um, people, safe transport, looking after the help that's given to victims to get them to a place of safety. That would include community engagement. So when people are beginning to move on, how do we then help them back into community? Mm. Um, That would also include the Salvation Army in the UK works and supports our international partnership projects. We've got partnerships in um, Nigeria. We've got partnerships in Philippines and other parts of the world and how we do that. So my part is I am the chaplain to that whole unit. Wow. Yeah. Um, it would have been great if it had been 18 years, like 13 years ago when there was only four of them, but now <laughs> there's like an awful lot of us. Um, yeah. But also I am the chaplain to our safe houses. Okay. So every safe house that the Salvation Army has that we are responsible for, Mm. we want to have a spiritual input into those safe houses. Mm. And obviously we cannot ever make public an individual is a chaplain to that place because it would give away the location. Yes, yeah. So the Salvation Army has, in appointing me, I'm going to spearhead that kind of idea that we will encourage and support our chaplains in their ministry But also, I will become the public Salvation Army face. Now, um, this podcast, I have a face for podcasts, and I joke about that, a face for radio. But the reality is somebody unwell known in this ministry within Mm. the United Kingdom, internationally as well. Mm. So it's useful that I'm a known face, that then we can then encourage other chaplains so that they can keep their anonymity because it does two things it protects the chaplain it protects the safe house it also protects the ministry Mm. but it also protects the chaplain's families yeah and sometimes we forget that i'm a single woman i have family but they don't live near me i live alone and um I'm not worried about that too much. So it, it's how do we make sure the protection is there and mm. we are caring for them. Mm. That's fascinating. So um, I'm imagining a listener now listening to this and think, feeling all revved up and fired up and wondering how can I, how can I get involved in this? How can I um, you know, make changes to my lifestyle now that I've kind of been, had my eyes open to the state of modern slavery and human trafficking in this country? What would you say to that? Well, the first thing is, if you've been, if you want to do this, engage. You're gonna, you can engage with me. You can, you're happy to engage with you. If you want to engage with the Salvation Army on that subject, we're always looking for people to get engaged and to support us. Mm. There's lots of things you can do. First of all, you're going to see the links that are being written. The links on the websites. Go and check them out. Do it if you didn't do it the last time. Go and check out how many slaves work for you, because. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, and I don't mean your mum. When you try, your mum says, what did your last slave die of? Or your dad says, what did your last slave die of? You can actually say, 
They died of getting hold of my food. Let's make some ethical choices. So the first thing is engage in the, get some information. Most of us live in a digital age and, and the reality is we need to get our heads around information. We need to get that information. But I'm also going to say to you, give yourself a break. Don't suddenly go through your wardrobe when you get the information and start chucking everything out because you've already got it in your wardrobe. That's not going to save anybody. You need to make a choice the next time you buy a pair of shoes, mm. the next time you buy a chocolate bar, mm. the next time. Intriguing enough, um, Coca-Cola had an issue with Fanta in Sicily with the people who were collecting the oranges in the farms in Sicily. Mm. It turned out they were victims of slavery. So Coca-Cola faced up to that fact. They went in. They they didn't just stop working with those mm. farms. They went in and insisted on ethical working practices. Mm. So something happened. But instead of just saying we're not going to get involved because they knew that that would have been worse for the victims, mm. they wanted to make sure they could do something. So they made a support. So Coca-Cola have got a not a bad company so you can drink Diet Coke. Coke Zero, that's, that's not a bad thing. It's not yeah. and Fanta, because Fanta's quite nice. But that kind of thing, that be intelligent in what you're buying. Yeah. Make a choice. Research a company. If you don't know, if you're on Twitter, if you're on Instagram, if you're on Facebook even, mm. no matter where you are, whatever social media, on TikTok, put in there, show something and say, am I slave free? Mm. That happened with Superdry. Yeah. And they responded and said, yes. Amazing. So let's make choices. So what do we want to do? We want to do something. The first thing you can do is get informed, get educated, learn mm. something. The second thing you can do, and this is this is often a hard one, start the conversation. Mm. Mm. You've listened to this. Share this podcast with somebody else. Mm. Start the conversation. Talk about it. Yeah. Because it only changes because we talk about it. Mm. It's only going to happen. So let's do some chatting. You're going to see me, Ed will make sure that if anybody has any questions, you can get hold of me. Practical things, I'm telling you now that our safe houses, I can't tell you their locations obviously because then they become unsafe. Yeah. But our safe houses, and we have regional offices, our safe houses are desperate often for um, welcome packs like toiletries and um, like things that you would want to be pampered with. Mm. Things that you would want, like maybe like if you're a woman and you like lush bath bombs, buy somebody some bath bombs. Mm. Instead of buying two for yourself and when they're on special offer, buy a couple and put them in a box and let's let's begin to do it that way. Yeah. yeah. So practical things is you can make a change by your shopping habits and supporting regional educational change and mm. policy. Write to your MP. Mm. Write to your local authorities and ask them what is their slavery statement. Can they please give it? Hold them accountable. Let's hold each other accountable. Mm. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you so much for that. And uh, yeah, please do post in your questions and thoughts to the listener group. I'm sure we can have some very good conversations there off the back of this as well. Mm. And like I said earlier, I will make sure that I'm posting all of the links and all of the information that we've discussed in there as well. Um, yeah. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.